I'm Lee Wilde, Head of Equity Strategy at Interactive Investor. Now, there are a few events in the stock market that get investors as excited as a hotly anticipated initial public offering at what we refer to as an IPO, a float, flotation or new listing. Now, the excitement of a new listing, the rush of trading activity that follows and the hype and the headlines from the financial press all serve to draw retail investors in. But what's the general public really being sold? Now, once the dust has settled, are you left holding the next big stock market winner or shares in a company you barely know that have been sold to you by those with a vast informational edge? Now, that was the question being asked by the team at financial data company Stockopedia. To get some answers, they carried out in-depth analysis, which included thousands of data points covering 258 IPOs over the past five years. Now, today I'm lucky to have with me Keelan Cooper from Stockopedia, one of the analysts behind the research. Now, you and the team have put a lot of work into this research and there are stacks of great facts and insight within it. Could you just talk us through some of the key findings? Yeah, I mean, we've been working on this for several months now. and We're really excited by the uh, findings that we found. Um, so the, there's quite a few key takeaways. Um, one of them was that there's a remarkable track record of success of IPOs from their issue price shooting up on the first day of trading. We found that 89% of IPOs experience, that experienced a price movement on the first day of trading were positive and that the average rise was actually nearly 10%. The current market structure seems to mean that this is unfortunately only really a benefit to financial institutions. Private investors are often unable to take advantage of underpriced IPOs. So we also found that IPOs on average tend to rise after the initial float, reaching a high around six months later. Performance then begins to drop a little bit as interest wanes and shorter term investors sell out. The strong average performance figures after one year are largely driven by a small number of well-performing IPOs. After a year, we already saw 18 multi-baggers, whilst over all timeframes, we identified 50 multi-baggers. Now, a one in five chance might be promising, but in an equal weighted portfolio, you're statistically likely to, to lose out. So we, we actually looked at this on a median basis as well. Uh, and the, six, the three to six month time frame seems to be the sweet spot for holding IPOs in the short term, if you buy them at the opening on the first day of trading. But when you adjust for the extreme values, the central tendency is for IPOs to perform extremely poorly over the longer term. We, we then decided to explore the success rates over different holding time frames. Investors maintain a decent chance of success of picking uh, an IPO winner over the short term timeframes, up to six months. However, after one year, the probability inverts and there is a much higher chance of underperformance if, the, if investors do hold for too long. So uh, one of the most interesting findings was that uh, larger mid-cap IPOs are actually more likely to underperform. This may be because private equity and venture capitalists uh, use public markets as an exit route where they know there are forced buyers. On average, smaller microcaps outperformed across nearly all timeframes that we assessed. So supporting the theory that smaller microcaps outperform, the AIM IPO market has provided some astonishing returns for private investors over prolonged periods, beating the main market by some distance on average. Uh, international main market uh, IPO listings we did find to be riskier and, and worth avoiding really for the most part. Um, in terms of a sectoral analysis, uh, due to the higher likelihood of picking a multi-bagger, the health and tech sectors have offered the best chances for sustained IPO success over the five years. Financials and energy sectors also remain strong performers, whilst consumer cyclicals, telecoms and utilities have provided subpar returns. So analysis also showed that applying factor investing principles to new listings by selecting those with the strongest quality and value characteristics 
statistically improves your chances of picking a, a winning IPO in the long run. So what we did is we used our proprietary quality value rank to uh, assess this. And I think Strix uh, was the uh, example we used for, for the case study. Uh, the Kettle Safety Control Specialist had a QB rank of 83 six months after its IPO. It went on to return over 200% from its issue price in 2017 and over 150% from its opening price on the first day of trading. Most impressive as well was the uh, reduced levels of volatility we, we saw in the share price and, and across the qu high quality value companies. Uh, so yeah, that's it. Those were the key findings. Keelan, you say you say um, it's a QB level, you say, uh, of 83. How does that stack up normally? Is that, I mean, clearly that's, you're telling us that, that that's high, but what is, is that out of 100, is it? Or? Yes, so, so we ranked them from zero to 100. And uh, we found that the baskets of 60 to 100 really outperformed. As you say, there are some very significant figures within the results. And one that, that jumps out and which I think retail investors might find very interesting uh, is that the 237 IPOs that experienced a price movement from the issue price compared to the opening price, 211 were positive. So an equivalent uh, hit rate of 89%. Uh, what's more, the average price pop from the issue price to the opening price on the first day of trade is nearly 10%. So, I mean, that's an instant profit for city institutions who were able to take part in the IPO. But it does mean that the general public, if they're excluded, and they often are excluded from, the, uh, for, from getting in at the issue price. So the general public is paying a big premium for the stock on, uh, on day one, which puts them at a, an immediate disadvantage. So were you surprised by the findings? Yeah, for sure. This was definitely one of the most surprising findings of the study, really. Uh, many investors talk about how IPOs are structured in a way that does benefit the city. But I was really surprised at how reliably the city profits really at the expense of private investors. I mean, when, when, when participating in IPOs, investors really need to keep their eyes open and understand what they're, what they're being sold. Our research shows that IPOs are often structured in a way that benefits existing and institutional shareholders with evidence of large cap overpricing and first day price pops for, 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 the, for the insiders, really. Um, Post-IPO excitement can push prices higher in the short term, but the odds of longer term outperformance are surprisingly low. Uh, our research also showed that focusing on better quality, reasonably valued IPOs uh, has a significant bearing on, on outperformance. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of average IPOs, um, but in your research, you talk about a number of multi-baggers. So uh, for those who don't know, it's you know, share prices that have multiplied several times from that, from a, a, a point in time, but in this case at the at IPO. So those multi-baggers, you say, are skewing some of the results in the research. So could you, you just explain what you mean and, and pick out a few of those, what you call outliers? Yeah, absolutely. So, so when I initially started carrying out the analysis, I was really quite surprised at how well the IPOs were performing on average. Uh, I mean, the, I think the CAGA uh, was about 10% over five years and anyone would, would love that. So I started digging a little bit deeper. Uh, I started by assessing the overall median performance figures over the different holding timeframes to work out what a, a more accurate representation of performance might be for the average private investor who doesn't pick that one in 10, 10 bag, you know. Uh, this is where it got interesting because the performance figures completely inverted after one year. I mean, the average five-year CAGR uh, was 10% as discussed, but it, it dropped to minus 4% if you were looking at median figures. So 
private investors are still going to identify these multi-bagging opportunities that the IPO market has to offer. So we didn't exclude these from all areas of the study, but we did want to highlight how these drive the average performance figures uh, much higher and do skew them. Uh, if we look at the 10, uh, the 10 top performers, these all returned over 500% from the opening price on the first day of trading. Um, and that analysis stopped on the 15th of June 2021 for us. Uh, the top three Dev Clever Holdings, Maxite and Cerulean returned 1,684%, 1,141% and 996% respectively. So these obviously have a big weighting on the average performance figures. Interestingly, uh, these three companies were all in the health and tech sectors where we found half of the top 20 performance in the study. Right, yeah. I mean, Deliveroo, I mean, springs to mind, really. I mean, it looked like a, an IPO disaster at the, uh, at the beginning. Lots of headlines for all the wrong reasons. Uh, but I just noticed that their shares recently have been doing a, a, a lot better. And if you hadn't looked at Deliveroo in the past few months, uh, like myself, you'd be quite surprised at uh, how, how well they've recovered. Now, you know a bit about the business. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I did a, an analysis a few months back. Um, and I mean, investors who did still get in at the issue price are still quite underwater at the moment. But it was one of those that was quite over, overpriced to start off with, um, marketed highly by by the press, by um, by the company itself, actually. And um, investors ended up wor worse off. I mean, if you had checked, reviewed the prospectus and had a look at the, the, the figures, really, you'd be able to see just how overpriced it was. But um, again, with with the hype and everything, investors got sucked into uh, to a stock which didn't do too well to start off with. And I mean, it, I think after one month, it was a forty percent down at one point. So yeah, yeah, I think you have to go into these things with your 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 eyes wide open. While you do get these big pops at the beginning, often uh, it, it can sort of play out very differently. Uh, I know Aston Martin few years ago has you know, been a disaster as well, I think, for a lot of early investors. Uh, and it, it was the same with, with delivery. So they don't all, they're not all great. They don't all do well. So it's, it's um, but uh, yeah, you just have to, just have to be careful. As I say, do, do as much research as you can be beforehand. So not get caught up in all the uh, euphoria. Um, but I mean, one of the key findings of your study was that small caps and micro caps significantly outperform the bigger companies, the large caps and, and, and mid cap peers um, across almost all holding periods. Now, could you just go into a, a little bit more detail on that for? Yeah. So uh, we found that on average, micro caps are the best performers over shorter timeframes. Uh, the volatile nature of micro caps means that even relatively low levels of share trading volume can facilitate big upward all downward swings, and these findings suggest that the former could be having an impact. It's worth bearing in mind that, the, that a small subset of these microcaps did drive the impressive gains. Um, we did find that over time, the small caps, which lagged behind the uh, more volatile microcaps, uh, did take off after the one-year mark. And after five years, the average performance of small caps was uh, 85%, comf comfortably ahead of all other size groups. Uh, the most surprising finding, though, was that the large caps, on average, generate a negative performance figure of minus 20%, um, one in two years after IPO. Now, there isn't a large number of large cap IPOs to choose from on the London markets, especially when you compare to the US, for example. And the sample size is small in this data set, but it raises questions about the heavy promotional activity around high profile IPOs that aren't necessarily the best investment opportunities in the IPO space. Yeah, I guess the small caps have that that potential, that, that, that greater upside potential. It doesn't take quite so much news and a little bit of good news can do a lot for those uh, smaller micro caps, whether it, whereas it, it takes something quite quite significant to 
to shift the uh, the bigger companies, I guess. But uh, yeah, did you and the team at Stockopedia have any ideas about how to level the, the playing field for retail investors? Well, I believe that private investors should be entitled to plenty more opportunities at the issue price level. Um, I think this was really one of the uh, eye-opening findings of the study. Um, and the city is only the real beneficiary of the, of the issue price factor at the moment. I understand that Interactive Investor has campaigned on this front in the past, and we really support this. Most of the calculations in our study were based on the opening price on the first day of trading. But if we were going to take the uh, issue price and, and, and use that for the calculations, they'd look the, the performance figures would look a lot more impressive. The uh, initial average uh, 10% price pop identified in our study highlights the extent of what private investors are missing out on. I mean, I did this on a medium basis as well, and this was still a 6% price pop on, on, on a medium basis. I definitely feel that this is something that the investment community should continue to push strongly for. Um, an additional point as well might be that that might help uh, retail investors is thoroughly reviewing the prospectus document before a company floats. The prospectus enables private investors to gain a much better overview of the quality and value characteristics of a company, which we found to really improve the chances of overall IPO success. Now, there are certain legal restrictions around the prospectus documents in terms of uh, available redistribution. But if you head over uh, to the investor relations pages as a private investor, you should be able to access these, access these documents uh, directly. These aren't the most exciting documents to read, but they're certainly worth your time and due diligence. Absolutely. And um, you'll be able to access uh, your research, Keegan, won't you, from the, uh, the description below on the, uh, on the podcast? Yeah, we'll have a link there to the, uh, all the findings. Fantastic. Look, Keelan Cooper, from analyst from Stockopedia, thanks ever so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Lee.